Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Attacking starlet X tearing it up in Division Y. Can you have a lovely little player in the NBA? The transfer window pressure takes its toll on Sky Sports News dressing room harmony. Snooker players aiming for the proverbial barn door. Can two opposing players be in each other's pockets? Which Premier League goalkeeper looks most like an outfield player who's had to go in goal because their goalkeeper has been sent off? And 2023's first slice of pure Richard Keyes. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 224 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel, first of all, is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well. How are you? Not too bad at all. Alongside you, of course, is David Walker. How's things? Very good. Watford all right the weekend? Watford were tremendous at the weekend. 17-year-old lad off the bench, scored Mm. in his first ever game. We love to see it. In front of the rookery end. (laughs) Indeed. Is it disproportionate the number of times that a player scores his first goal for his boyhood club in front of the designated hallowed end? I reckon it must be more than 50%. But I reckon that's partly because they tend to the home teams tend to attack the famous ends in the second half, don't they? And you probably have quite a lot of subs, I imagine. I imagine quite a lot of like first goals are scored as subs. That's it, I think. Probably skewed. Guess a percentage: seventy, thirty. Yeah, I'd say so. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Great adjudication panel today. Yet another great adjudication panel for 2023. We are off to a flyer. As is Callum Evans, who uh, was in the office this morning. He said. And he heard someone in his office claim their weekend was ruined as their dog has done her ACL. <laughs> Surely that's football chat gone too far, he says. I was intrigued, Dave. I dug a little deeper. He said, no, dead serious. A fella stood at the coffee machine engaging in casual how was your weekend chat and that just slipped in. Didn't hear anything else as I was trying not to piss myself laughing. I wanted to ask if they were considering buying a replacement as it's still January but thought otherwise. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know why we're laughing. It's a perfectly feasible injury for a dog, it would seem. Only this morning did I find I mean, out that dogs have cruciate ligaments. And presumably they've got four to, to do so. rather, yeah. than, mm-hmm. rather than two. Yeah, I mean, the big question is will, will she come back the same dog? <laughs> what kind of dog is it is it like a whippet that relies on its pace because if so no that, that will be an issue divulged. Okay. dog holding up one paw in an Instagram to show that the operation was <laughs> successful 
they'll be back stronger than ever. Um, we, we laugh, Charlie, but there's some background information to this. It has been reported, one online source says, that 85% of all orthopaedic injuries in dogs are some form of ACL injury. Oh. Something needs to be done. Hmm. Yeah, would, would like some if you could follow up and get yeah. or get get the correspondent to follow up and find out how this injury was done. How, how did it happen? Hyperextension of the knee, I'm told. Well, was the dog just running along and just went down? There's no well, dog near no, him. No, 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 yeah, that's exactly. the thing. Or was it a Always clash? The most worrying, isn't it, when you see a dog and there's. <laughs> Right, enough laughing about injured dogs. Um, I Early on in this adjudication panel, I want to address a couple of matters raised on Friday in the Football Clichés podcast sister column, It Is What It Is. First of all, of Catholic Bells got in touch. He says, I'm fascinated by the rise of tearing it up, as in Player X is tearing it up in Division Y. What's the most tear-uppable league? Um, mm. Had an interesting debate about this, Charlie, in a WhatsApp group with some various cliches experts, and um, they seem to think that it that it, it seems to be it needs to be a lower level, and ideally mm. a player on loan, because the, the the implication of tearing it up is that they're they're off somewhere, and, and and they can be brought back after they finish tearing it up. Yeah, I'm trying to think what my mind. I mean, he's te- he's been tearing it up in the championship. You might hear. Yeah. You could also hear a. No, he's been tearing it up in the Eredivisie, but. You know, how much does that... Like, because sometimes I think it's caveated with... Uh, we know he's been tearing it up there, but it will then be a big step up. I think yeah. it can be both used as to champion their qualities, but also slight. there is a slight caveat because of the quality of where he's been tearing it up. So, Dave, instinctively, what would you say is the natural ceiling for tearing it up? Eredivisie seems perfectly natural. Championship is perfect to me. Um, could you tear it up in Serie A? I think you could. Tammy Abraham's tearing it up in Syria. Is he? The last season, <laughs> yeah. there would have been a point. He was definitely tearing it up yeah. last season. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I fear that may have stalled. But I think it's it's sort of yeah. It, it not only is it a a sort of perceived lower levels. I think Ligue 1 would 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 work as mm. well for this. But it's sort of a there's a distance element to it. It's you you probably have don't realise this, but so and so is tearing it up in. League X. I completely agree mm. with this. I think tearing mm. it up goes very hand in hand, Charlie, with sort of social media clips. You know, players that you only consume via sort of BT Sport clips on a Sunday evening is saying, I don't know, stop it, Cody Gakpo in the era division mm. or something like that. Um, important question, though. Surely only attackers, forwards can tear it up, Charlie. Mm. Defenders can't be tearing it up in any division, no matter what they do. I think so, unless they were doing a very attacking... You know, if they were a wing-back who had scored a lot of goals or something. But you wouldn't talk about tearing up because of their interceptions and their headers won and things like that. That would seem really odd. Yeah, I mean, to use to use the Roma example, like you, could, you probably wouldn't say... or You wouldn't say Chris Smalling's tearing it up or, or <laughs> no. Tamore's tearing it up at Milan, would you? It's, no. It doesn't feel the same. It's goals and assists, isn't it? It has to mm. be. There, there is a numbers aspect. That is a good point. With those Serie A English players, and Adam, to what you were saying about like it will be clipped up on a Sunday, because it will often be something, as well as an up-and-coming player, it might be someone who's like, a year ago he was released by X, and now he's tearing it up in the Eredivisie mm. or something. So it's a kind of like they've bounced back and, and now look at them sort of thing. Tearing it up. Um, only when I got really deep into this phrase, Dave, did I ask myself, what is being torn up? The league isn't being torn up because, you know, he's tearing it up in League X. What's being torn up? It's very vague. I, I mean, is it what? Just proceedings? The narrative? <laughs> the script. The landscape? <laughs> the script. <laughs> but it kind of is the league. You're right. I mean, I know that then that would mean repetition. He's te- he's tearing the Eredivisie up in Eredivisie. Doing bits. I mean, 
Yeah, he's doing bits, yeah. yeah. Um, tearing up defences, I suppose, given we're saying there's a natural tearing bias the towards attackers. Potentially, yeah. Tearing up the comp- tearing up the competition, as in tearing up the the, yeah. the opposition in a, in a general sense, rather than the actual physical opposition. But it's also like a te- like going on a tear. Like yeah. you te- it's like a you could you use that in like a speed element, can't you? Yeah, sort of yeah. thing on a tear. I haven't heard but that I've- very often. You can't. I remember that was a Tom Warvillism. I remember going on a tear would be like a scoring, a goal scoring spree. Oh, streak. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 you know he's his underlying numbers are really good, so we can expect him to go on a tear in the next few weeks. Okay, so we've got to the bottom of that. Um, the second item I wanted to discuss was uh, football speaks next frontier. Um, we talk a lot on this podcast about how football speak in in various forms, in various subtle ways, has infiltrated wider society. But this was. Genuinely fantastic. Um, the sad news, actually, that the Virgin Orbit mission, an attempt to launch satellites into space from British soil for the very first time, had ended in failure after the rockets failed to reach the necessary altitude. Already quite amusing, Dave, that the, the, the launch centre for this was Spaceport Cornwall. <laughs> Which sounds so to Bob. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Not exactly Cape Canaveral. Yeah, Spaceport Cornwall. The Maracanar of uh, space launches. (laughs) Anyway, um, Charlie, Matt Archer, the Director of Commercial Space Flight at the UK Space Agency, uh, was quite philosophical about this um, failed mission. He said, understandably, people are upset. We will dust ourselves off and go again. (laughs) (laughs) Have a long, hard look in the mirror. Yeah. um, Amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, good sentiment though, Dave, isn't it? It's you know, endeavour, entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. We're going to do this again. We're not, we're not looking back. To we're boldly go. This. Uh, there was also chat, Charlie, about them taking positives from this, which mm-hmm. I, again, in a yeah. kind of intricate, complicated thing, I suppose you need to do. Yeah, that's science. No, <laughs> take well, the lessons. As Matt Archer said, Dave, there was one final philosophical flourish here. He said, "That space." <laughs> <laughs> Is it though? Because you didn't get into space. <laughs> yeah. That's football. That's space. Really enjoyed it. Glad I got it to share with everyone. Right, next on this came from Jay Arch, who was watching the uh, NBA on TNT over in the US. And um, a little clip of Grant Williams, the Boston Celtics, doing Grant Williams things. In the first half. Ooh, give me that. Spin cycle. Ooh, Grant Williams is a heck of a little player, man. He is. He's not little. I mean, you know, I mean, oh. just like, he's not, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely delighted, Charlie, by the idea of a lovely little player, terrific little player, <laughs> translating to basketball. Is this acceptable to you? Maybe maybe it's all relative. You know, if, if the pundit's seven foot tall, maybe it's all right. Yeah, I was going to say, because there will still be, relatively speaking, there must be, relatively speaking, still little players. Also, is that what? Yeah. Are you always talking about stature with that? Because, yes, it's stature, but it's also partly a state of mind, isn't it? It's a sort of creative he's a lovely little player elusive I don't, yeah I think that's slightly just the position they play they take, they find little pockets I don't think you necessarily need to be small for that to make sense I, oh, I agree I, I well, do well this this is interesting right I had this exact discussion after the most recent live show that we did in London uh, after several beers we were literally being ushered out of the oh, venue God, as this discussion was was taking place with some people who stayed behind after the show and they were proposing that we did a lovely little player 11 episode <laughs> and we were got in very quickly got into that very debate of does any player in said 11 have to be literally little 
to be a lovely little player. And I don't think you do. Oh, come on. It's not, I, like, but it isn't, it is not using, it's not using that literal, completely literal sense, is it, Charlie? And I that's think coming from Dave. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think you're right. You can imagine Hoddle going, oh, he's a lovely little player. But they I, have, I mean, there has no, to be a reasonable height limit for this. A six footer couldn't be a lovely little player. I, I give you Robert Perez, who was six foot one, six foot two. I can imagine Hoddle, he? he's a, he's a lovely little player. Because, Stylistically, he is like he—he—he's tall almost by accident. He never used his height; Six he just happened one. to be. Bloody yeah, hell. he was a tall guy. Lovely little player. Okay, so there's kind of a, like a caveat for so quite overtly creative players, flair players. They, yeah, I think so. Their height doesn't define them in any way because you know. Pirro's being six foot one, Charlie, is completely incidental to me. Like I would never have guessed. Exactly. Yeah. As long as they're not using their height or physicality in any way. Mm. What he he isn't he Perez is a sort of slight kind of mercurial type, and I think that's what I, I think that's okay. Well, Dave, oh, Dave, perhaps this is a relative concept because uh, Grant Williams is six foot six, which apparently is below the standard range for a power forward in the NBA. They usually range from six foot seven to six foot ten, so he's smaller than than you would usually expect for a power forward. Maybe that's okay. A lovely little player and. and, and the in the clip in question, Dave, he's weaving in between players on the way to the basket. So that's kind of lovely little player territory <laughs> in terms of style of play. So maybe it's okay. The pundits themselves, Charlie, did actually question it though, of course. So so it's good to know that there's some self awareness going on there. Yeah, I really enjoyed that little exchange. Yeah, it's lovely stuff. I loved this exchange, however, the first item in our little transfer window roundup. This is glorious. There's no other way to describe this, Dave, than Sky Sports News. They're fighting amongst themselves. This is Darmeshef. Versus Kave Solakol. Right then, uh, Damesh Kave still here, of course. Um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka on the bench, Damesh. Um, you've said that United looking for a right back. What's the situation with him? It's not so much actively looking for a right back. They're just looking at options, potential options. But it's all going to depend on what happens with Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Why are you what laughing? Are you laughing at? What's the difference? You said you said they're not actively looking, but they're looking at options. They're just, just having a look around, just keeping an eye on their situation. But the question was, are they looking for a right back? <laughs> Not necessarily. If you let me finish, Tarver. Carry on. Unreal. You just have to deal with. You said they're not actively looking, they're looking at options. I just want to know what the difference was between the two. Um, you're just looking at options, but not actively looking. <laughs> That's what it means. Right, I think we sort of... So anyway... Dominic <laughs> sounded genuinely annoyed there, Dave. Yeah. I mean, come on. Don't tell them how the sausage is made. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful here, guys. Yeah. This is a very good point, Charlie. If, if Sky Sports News ever sort of turn the mirror on themselves, they're in real trouble, aren't they? Mm. I mean, a, a, an element of self-awareness is fun, obviously. I mean, you, you've got to fill the time somehow. But if you if you start picking apart the incremental transfer language of the, yeah. of the window, Sky Sports News can be in real danger. I know, that's what we're here to do. Yeah. And that did feel quite relatable. I've, I've definitely had those thought. you know, you're, it's such semantics that you're dealing with. But uh, yeah, the passive aggre- the uh, passive aggression was great to sort of see what I have to deal with when he's clearly quite annoyed about it. In terms of the phrases there themselves, Dave, it was fairly innocuous stuff. So, I think we're quite familiar with the idea that clubs actively looking um, for a player or, or just, just scouring the market, browsing the market for potential replacements for the future. Yeah. No difference between, I don't know, window shopping and going into the shop mm. and yeah. to the said department. Yeah, yeah. in practical terms, I think there is a fundamental difference between the two things. So I, I'm on Sheth's side here over Solicop. <laughs> but a far more alarming development 
in the transfer window this week, Charlie. The Evening Standard reported the other day that Chelsea could miss out on Yusufa Mukoko after Newcastle made a substantial verbal approach for the Borussia Dortmund <laughs> wonder kid. <laughs> a substantial verbal approach. <laughs> what, they shout? What do they do? Screamed at him, yeah. Oi, so- Yusufa! <laughs> Sent a really aggressive voice note. That's Come on, incredible. give us your player. Go on, fucking give it to him. It's like it's like a fruit machine of transfer terms. There, substantial verbal approach. That's how that would do. That's fine. <laughs> I wonder what that. God, is that tapping up? Who knows? Either way, sounds weird. Finally, Charlie in this transfer window roundup. Andy Khan Craig writes in and says a lot of transfer window opinion is given in the format player X would walk into team Y or that midfield as a variation. Are there any other ways of entering a team while showing your superiority, or does walking have it sewn up? Ooh, it walks that, that team. Yeah, I think that instinctively is the the best one. I mean, that you'd have the. I'm not sure there's a team he doesn't improve or something like that, but that's a bit more general than the the, the act of walking. I mean, there's the he's not fit to tie shoelaces. If you're talking about like comparing him to an individual player. But is there an equivalent of walking in? I'm not I sure. I don't think we can... There's no advance on that. I mean, Dave, there's, there's obviously... He's slotted straight in, but that's a neutral observation. That's simply... He's come in and he's done okay, but it doesn't mean he's better than what he's playing alongside. So I think walking into a team is the only option here. Yeah, I agree. I can't think of any others. You could talk about some, a player having to fight to get into a team or something but yeah. it's not really the same at what we're getting at here no it's almost it's almost like it's the um it's the angel to the devil charlie that is um i would drive in there myself yeah that's that's what i was thinking of i drive in there myself and then they would walk into the team presumably hopefully that <laughs> benefits everyone everyone wins yeah you that that's the perfect transfer um speaking of everyone winning only one of you can win here because oh, whisper it quietly but it's time for for my sins corner pop master as always, the arena for this battle. Two grizzled veterans. Simply, actually, it's fine. We've both got one recently, so we've got that. Okay, both in reasonable form. Um, love has been lost in this rivalry. Um, just to <laughs> recap, I'm going to play you a clip from Popmaster on Radio Two. I just want you to shout out the words for my sins when you think those immortal words are going to be uttered by the guest. <laughs> This time it's David Sarton from Canterbury in Kent. Hello, David. Hi, Ken. How are you? Very well. How are you? Uh, doing all right, thank you. Pleased to hear it. So, what's the job you do? Tell us about that first. Well, I'm sort of half retired, half working, and I, uh, I'm an office assistant in a company that makes emergency lighting. Oh, right. No, well, I'm, I'm very much like you. I'm half retired, half working. I've been <laughs> for about 45 years. So, um, you have a family? Yep, I've got um, obviously my wife Nikki, who's actually obviously uh, uh, is actually my office manager. All right. Her and one. and um, the kids are Tim, Ella, Emma, Sky, Alice, and Tim, and uh, Sam. Oh, Kadok. And is uh, Nikki a good boss? Uh, she has a moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take that under advisement. <laughs> and uh, what about the rest of the Can't time? What do you like to do? Um, I like to watch old films, uh, listen to music, uh, watch sport. Okay, what's your favourite sport? Uh, football. Oh, you're For a football fan, yeah. Do you follow a yes. particular club? Uh, I do, yes. Are you going to admit to one? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Right. What? Oh, you <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. I was on 
the edge of my seat, quite literally. I thought it was ah, oh, it was it, it was all building up to a crescendo. Yeah, there. it was. I was so relieved after I'd gone in on football, which was mad because no one would say that. I was just wait. I was. I then thought I'd given it to you, Dave. With I was just waiting for the team. Yeah. I think oh, it's brilliant. What a relief! Brilliant all round, and a great advert for a for my sins list, for my sins corner as well. One of that, the, yeah, that's yeah. that's a good nil nil, isn't it? Yeah, mm. we've yeah. talked about that before. Can you have a good nil nil? Well, that was a that was a really good one. Absorbing, yeah, it really yeah. was absorbing. <laughs> it's pretty, Tactical, but as an addendum to this, Dave, um, what's the psychology of not telling a radio presenter who you support? What's that about? <laughs> Why would you keep it a secret? Who do you think it Unless he's bluffing and doesn't actually like football at all. Mm. Yeah, nothing to say. But maybe it's like some really low down non league team. But then you sort of be pride. There'd be an element of yeah, pride. Yeah, I think, in that, I think more. There? If it was Man City, I think Man City would be the only one I can sort of. Maybe. If, Man City, if if it was obvious, which it wouldn't be, that you had no link to Manchester or something like that. Potentially. Like how yeah. United would have been. Maybe that's like He was fairly southern based, Charlie, so he didn't really want to sort of reveal himself to be a not from Manchester mm. Uh, mm. fan of one of those two clubs. Maybe that was it. Either that or he supports the team, the bitter rivals of Ken Bruce's Partick Thistle, was it? Yeah. I but even that, you think that would be lovely little bit of banter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah you, yeah, you would reveal that, wouldn't you? Okay. But a great For My Sins corner, and I'm so glad <laughs> that we all agreed it was worth having a full. My It's Sins. huge as well you've put that back on the radar, the sort of the possibility there won't be one. That does add a good tactical element to it. Keeps everyone on their toes. Right. This came from Emma Levin, who was listening to Manchester United versus Charlton in the Carabao Cup the other day. And she says she's listened to this maybe 20 times as Leon Osman describes Anthony's goal and she's pretty sure of what she heard. On this occasion though, financial run inside, Malassia went on the overlap, he started the move, they passed it right across the face of that penalty area and Anthony finished it with a plump. Yeah, fine goal, his <laughs> fifth of the season. For, uh, Did Leon Osman say a plum? A plum. <laughs> I mean, it definitely sounds like that. And, you know, it could well be a him mixing a plum and, pl- you know, it ends up plum in the corner or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's partly the reason, Dave, while I was prepared to air this one. Cause it, I mean, again, misspeaking is it's not a thing for us to be celebrating. But, um, but the idea that someone could finish with a plum seems to be a perfectly feasible football cliche. I mean, like, like a peach of a cross. You could have a plum of a finish, right? Maybe that's what he thinks it is, and that's probably okay. <laughs> I think we're probably we're probably being slightly generous to him there. I think he's just got it wrong, but <laughs> he's, just, he's just misspoke. But yeah, in a parallel yeah. universe, it yeah. could work. A plum of a finish finishes a with a plum. <laughs> Who knows? Some people just may not know about it. Anyway, let's revisit a conversation we had the other day about cart horses and donkeys. Uh, Michael D <laughs> has got in touch. He says, "Read the cart horse definition. Central midfielders can be cart horses." He says, "Charlie." We thought that midfielders couldn't be car horses. It was more of a centre-back slash centre-forward thing. We did, yeah. Although the re- I think I mentioned midfielders because I remember last year Spurs being linked with a player and I asked someone about him and he said he's a bit of a cart horse, to be honest. Yeah, cart horses, I suppose, can be all-purpose. But anyway, the, the rock-solid evidence that Michael D puts forward is from Peep Show Series 2, Episode 2. <laughs> Anyone see the game last night? Uh, no. I did. <laughs> Thierry Henry. He made Savage look like a right cart horse. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to work for me, Dave. R- Robbie Savage being derided as a cart horse, especially in contrast to a very, very good player. Yeah, I think Savage would fit that description, certainly. Mm. 
people would gleefully call him a cart horse as well, Charlie. Yeah, and I think he does fit the... Cart horse is something you just load up with tasks, essentially. Mm. And I feel like he was that sort of player. You just say to him, like, can you do? Can you run after that guy? Oh, and can you also Although, put loads of tackles in and mm. maybe chase after him as well? Whilst I, re- I, I want to kind of interrogate this evidence a little bit further. Now, I, whilst I realise that Peep Show is a fictional universe... Um, presumably the, uh, the scriptwriters had to take inspiration from somewhere. So I know that series two, episode two of Peep Show was aired on November the 19th, 2004. So if we work on the relatively confident assumption that Peep Show is set in what was the present-ish day, uh, I then look back at Arsenal's fixtures against whoever Robbie Savage played for at the time to see if indeed there was any potential for Thierry Henry to make him look like a cart horse. They played each other, uh, Birmingham and Arsenal played each other on 22nd of November 2003. That was a Saturday, so it couldn't have been, did you watch the game last night? Because they're having a sort of business meeting, they're Frankie and Benny. So um, nonetheless, Birmingham nil, Arsenal three, Henry not on the score sheet. So let's rule that one out. Um, 1st of May 2004, a good six months before this episode was aired. That was indeed also on a Saturday, but it was a nil-nil draw at Highbury. 12.30pm kickoff. So again, that doesn't count in the strictest sense. But, Charlie, Robbie Savage was booked for scything Thierry Henry down on the touchline. One of those sort of, you know, can't contain him kind of tackles. But the weird thing with that is as well, Mm. and this is very prophetic from Peep Show, unless I'm mistaken, Arsenal beat Birmingham 3-0, I think in November 2004. Uh, And And I'm pretty sure Savage... Uh, or it was December actually and I'm pretty sure Savage yeah. would have played that game and it stands to reason that he was made to look like a right cart horse because Henri scored twice I think in that match you're correct yes your near photographic memory serves you well here it was the 4th of December 2004 two weeks after this episode aired Arsenal freaky trouncing Birmingham City 3-0 at Highbury Thierry Henry scoring twice but neither goal and quite annoying that I had to go on YouTube and look for these goals and they're really difficult to find when you look for a fixture and it's not on YouTube but the games either side the meetings either side of them are what the fuck is that, going on that it's is a conspiracy really annoying. so irritating the only thing worse yeah. is if someone had the FIFA footage of that game and fooled me into thinking it was that um, yes that is that is maddening on further investigation I had to go to Thierry Henry's all goals for Arsenal very very SD footage Neither goal looked like he'd humiliated Robbie Savage along the way. So the case remains open on that one, but a decent-ish reference and an acceptable piece of evidence for that. Hi, it's Ian Irving, host of Talk of the Devils, the athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. And if you want to relive and pour over every single detail of that Manchester derby win, let me point you in the direction of our latest episode recorded at Old Trafford right after that 2-1 win over Manchester City. It's out now. Just search for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. A double header from listener Michael Cox. Uh, first up... At the snooker today, the bloke behind me said to his mate, at the moment, Ronnie can't hit a barn door. (laughs) (laughs) Acceptable in snooker, Dave? Mm, No. 
quite easy to no. hit a barn door with a snooker cue, isn't it? Would you say? Would you say? I, maybe this is an easy question, Charlie. Is it easier to hit a barn door with a snooker cue and a snooker ball or a football? Oh, much well, easier. I think much easier to hit a barn door with a football. How are you going to yeah. How are you going to hit a barn door with a snooker ball? What the surface that you'd have to the cue onto? It'd be gravel, like or grass. Well, in the, but you're, you you're still going to be about what? 12 to 24 inches unless away. There's a, unless there's a barn with a bays driveway, you're not going to be able to hit it. <laughs> well, it also, it depends fair. on distance. You know, obviously, if, if you're doing it proportionally, then it's a fair fight. But if you if you bring any sort of distance into it, you're going to really struggle <laughs> snooker-wise compared to football. Unless you threw the ball up and hit it like a baseball with the, with the, with the heavy end of the cue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think that's allowed. Uh, no. But oh. I, think the, I think the spirit of it is okay. You couldn't hit a barn. Because it's basically saying he's just he's all off today yeah. you know he's not he's not hitting his targets essentially yeah it's purely figurative Dave and uh, perfectly acceptable well you say it. that you say that I, I, under, I accept the target element of it but there, I do think it is slightly it jars even more because he's hitting a ball still mm. there's still yeah I mean he's missing a ball <laughs> I regret this already but anyway <laughs> let's move on to part two of Michael Cox's dispatches um, he says he was a big fan of the Bournemouth fans singing You're Just a Shit Callum Wilson at Ivan Tony um, during Brentford versus Bournemouth. He enjoyed this, Charlie, for two reasons. One, it doesn't involve one of their current players. And two, actually works as it would rile him re his World Cup selection. On the first point, is it okay to shout You're Just a Shit Player X if Player X doesn't play for your team? Yeah, I think so. It can be used in a sort of bantery way. Or if he looks like someone or something like that, you could do that. Um, I don't think he necessarily has to play for your team. Really? Also, isn't there the Newcastle history with Ivan Tony as well? So that might rile, doubly rile him because he was, wasn't he released by that's Newcastle and there was some bad blood? For me. I mean, if it, was, it, if it was Newcastle fans, maybe that's all right. But Bournemouth fans can't be singing that. They're not going to be looking back through Wikipedia for that stuff that's, that's, re- that's really clever psychological warfare from the uh, from the Bournemouth fans maybe he he was a recent Bournemouth favourite maybe that makes it just about okay but he was mm. one of your own players if anything you haven't got one don't don't, don't sing it I mean it's def- you're right it's definitely weirder to do it not for your own player I do agree especially if it's not done in a sort of comical way like if I'm trying to think of a comparison but if they were saying like you're just a shit and then inserted the name of a real banter striker to try and taunt someone <laughs> That was just about like work. shit, Nicholas Bentner or something. Yeah, but it's yeah, quite it's quite like, tricky. Ba- tricky one to strike, isn't it? In terms of which player you go for, and you're just a shit player X. Mm. Because if you go too far up, it's like, well, thanks. That's a that's yeah, a, that's yeah. A no, it's hard to judge. You can make lovely it. to be mentioned in the same breath as yeah. him. If I cheap <laughs> half as much as him, I'll be delighted. It has to be an established player, but one who, who clearly isn't as good as the player you're targeting towards. It is a very narrow window. Um, I agree, but yeah, I, I think I think end of January should be the limit for all work, specifically World Cup themed chance mm. uh, to a player. After that, you've no longer let your country down. Yeah. Once January finishes, exactly. it's Move okay. On. We yeah. forgive you. Too much water has gone under the subsequent bridge since then. Right, this came from Elliot the Kid. Dave, here's Kin and Dewsbury Hall on Ben Foster's podcast. You might like this one. <laughs> Are you competitive? Oh, so competitive. I could be playing a game of Tiddlywinks. Mate, I tell you, this is the most important thing. I think the reason why I was a footballer. Further evidence, Dave, <laughs> of Tiddlywinks as the de facto scenario for someone's competitiveness. This is great, but my... my my worry here is that Kin and Dewsbury Hall was born in 1998. I don't reckon he's ever actually played Tiddlywinks. I don't reckon he's ever played it. I remember being bought a set of Tiddlywinks, I think, for like at, when I was a kid. Right. Some like a present from someone at some point. I definitely had some Tiddlywinks at some point. So it probably would have been about 10 years, I suppose, before he got to Tiddlywink age. It's a good, it is a good point. Is this a moot point, though, Charlie? Do you actually need to have ever played Tiddlywinks to cite it 
as uh, an example of your competitiveness so entrenched is it as the yeah hypothetical? yeah i think again i think it is a slight you sort of just accept what he means i don't know i think it is just a kind of accepted I, I, that's also for my sins i have listened to the Fozcast a couple of times right and i'm pretty sure there's a hundred percent record of that being a sort of um, okay. motif that they talk about, someone saying I'm so competitive, and then Fozzy saying how competitive he is. As well, well. I, I thought the clip, the clip cut off at the end. There, I thought it was all leading to yeah. Oh my god, yeah, I was good at Tiddlywinks too. <laughs> That's the secret. If you're good at Tiddlywinks, I'm I'm anticipating good for your hand eye. I'm ant- <laughs> I'm anticipating a further twist on this. I think it could emerge. That Tiddlywinks is now played on on Premier League sort of away days oh, yeah. on the bus. Moved away from those silly little fantasy card games, and they start playing Tiddlywinks. Well, on the like bus. Um, like Uno was a is is a mm. thing, right? But on the bus. On the other hand, is Tiddlywinks conducive to any sort of road journey? Mm. I sense not. No. It, yeah, that wouldn't be easy. Even on the luxury coaches they have these days, I mean, it could come down to one bump in the road, and it could all go out the window. And given how competitive. They are. That could well, be exactly. Can't play on a plane Has there ever been a football? Either. No. I mean, could you just on the little tray, maybe? I, don't know. I think it would be, be so Fine margins. Yeah. Um, Has there ever been a football tiddlywinks injury in the sort of <laughs> realm of... Goalkeeper could you know, sprain your finger. That would be yeah, straight into the top 10, by the way. Best and Salad yeah, Cream, would, really hot Yeah, win. yeah. Santiago Canizares' is aftershave for once a word. Tiddly, oh, that, oh, that'd be, they would love that, the content generators, wouldn't they? Right, um, following on from our earlier chat about um, lovely little players in the NBA, Flupka was listening to some Big Bash League cricket on Five Live Sports Extra, and he says, increasingly, all sports commentary is just football cliches now. That's, that's the way John O'Wells is going to play. He's, he, again, he's a small guy, he's a nuggety cricketer. So that's another term that comes more easily to a person of smaller stature than larger nuggety nuggety yes that's do you think you're very commonly you, used can you be nuggety if you're over five foot eight is that possible i reckon that's your limit five you foot eight's your limit yeah if you're five nine you yeah, cannot no, be nuggety. you don't fit into that bracket oh. great stuff the fact that they then that they specify the limit charlie is is, is what makes it perfect yeah for me. this is this is great stuff nuggety nuggety could you use that in football i don't imagine you could i guess i guess the football equivalent dave would be kind of scrappy little midfielder sort of rolling their sleeves up and getting stuck in a spoiler yeah Dennis Wise yeah digging in it's a good point if does Scrappy have any height bias do you think do you think that sort of when you hear Scrappy do you think there's a height yeah, small, limit small there yeah for, I think it has to be yeah it exactly be small. it's two reasons one the actual physicality of it, it's just scrapping around on the ground mm. sort of being small and as Dave Riley points out there's a kind of inferiority complex that comes with it as you're scrapping against bigger men listening to that clip did give me a slight are we the baddies moment <laughs> we're not are we TMS yeah. <laughs> we're not are we <laughs> no no this is us this is our tentacles spreading into wider discourse really enjoyed this one next from as told by J-Man I'd, I'd never heard this before, and I would love to weigh up its merits. Here's Graham Lasso on the tussle between Tyrell Malassia and Riyad Mahrez at Old Trafford on Saturday. Oh, Mahrez. Malassia's being summoned for a word by Stuart Atwell. And once again, it's been the contest of the, uh, of the game so far, isn't it? How Malassia and Mahrez in each other's pockets, really, in terms of the way they're competing. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, can two players be in each other's pockets? I, I sort of get what he means. Cancelling each other out? 
Yeah. Well, there, well, there's the expression, isn't there? Living in each other's pockets, Brilliant. which I think, it, yeah, in, in not in football. Oh, but I see. Right, IRL. You're so close. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly. So I guess he's sort of saying that in the sense they've been they've been inseparable throughout the game. Mm. I don't think that's what he means. I think that I think he he means it in the sense that they're kind of equal in their battle. But given that being in yeah. someone's pocket in a football sense is so overwhelming, so absolute, I just feel like you can't have it both ways. No, but I do. No, I do think he means that they've just been just close. It has been a, well, yeah, but, but that is they, yeah they've been constantly. They've never been more than a few yards apart from further than a few yards apart from one another. I think that's what it means because otherwise it would be too odd. You, I don't think he's saying they've both had the other in their pocket, right? Because okay. you can't, like you say, you can't have yeah. You can't both do that because, by, by definition, you're really dominating a battle if you have someone in your in your pocket. Both of them had their moments. Yeah. Manassi might have got a couple moments. of good tackles in, a couple of blocks, but Riyad Mahrez might have done him a couple of times, but not enough to be in on toast territory. So maybe, I mean, th- th- I mean, there is a separate issue, Charlie, about whether a winger can actually have a fullback in his pocket at all. Um, it should be the other yeah. way around, really. So yeah, um, that that would be odd. Let's call it on in Malassia's favour, perhaps diplomatic. Um, next up. A gem from Paul Merson as he uh, sifts through the rubble of Tottenham nil, Arsenal 2. It's Arsenal's to throw away now. I know there's a lot of points to go, but that first half performance is... That, that was like watching Man City. You know, if, 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 you'd yeah. come, if you'd been living in New Zealand and you ain't seen football for, for the last four <laughs> years and they were playing in light blue, you'd have thought that you were watching Man City. Mm. That's how good they were. Uh, this is one of those that when I saw it live, I just thought... Don't even need to mention it. You'll be, you'll you have, you'll have it in your inbox fifty times already. Um, I want to say first off, Charlie, that this isn't particularly a, a Merce-centric observation. I think it's part of a wider habit of. I heard it actually on the radio when Brighton were beating Liverpool, and they said, you know, if you turned up and Brighton were in the red shirts and Liverpool were in the mm. in, in the blue and white stripes you wouldn't you wouldn't know who was the <laughs> and it always it always kind of meanders to a kind of meaningless of course you think it's like, we get what you mean but yeah. you, you yeah. simply don't know if where Arsenal were playing in a Man City kit yeah and you turned up <laughs> oh, oh that's Man Why City and you were an alien just landed yeah, on an, Earth an alien who's landed on Earth and that's the first <laughs> dilemma you're presented with did you know? Who do you think that team, is? Who, who do you think that league? is, Alien? Well, you wouldn't know it. I mean, more important things to do, mate, to be honest. Was As that they land then? at Spaceport Cornwall. Cool. <laughs> Man City have had a busy transfer window, haven't they? <laughs> Bought all of Arsenal's squad. New Zealand is incredible to, pl- to pluck that out. I mean, it's far away, <laughs> sure. But, I mean, speaks the same language. Different time zone. I, Might not be up to watch it. Different times. You yeah, could have been I, on. You I, could have been in the wilderness, off grid. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the yeah in the remotest parts of New Zealand. Four years ago as well. That's the threshold. <laughs> I mean, again, four years ago, Arsenal were a complete shambles. So maybe that does help proceedings. But yeah, what a roundabout way of doing this. I mean, what is the acceptable? Way? I mean, are aliens central to this? Is it alien coming down to earth? Oh, that's the least offensive one, isn't it? Because you're you're generally being very condescending because you're suggesting that. Whichever place you name is so backward that they, they don't have access you could have to the Premier League. The generic rock that you've been living under. Yeah. If you've been living under a rock. I hate living <laughs> under a rock. I, I'm sure we've said it on this podcast at least once, but I despise no. living under a rock. Do you know no. what? Living under, if that? you've been living under a rock is second only to 
We're here to talk all things football. (laughs) (laughs) All things cliches. I actually, I'm going to stick up for Merce. I think his example is better than if you were an alien. (laughs) Because you could plausibly go to New Zealand and live on a farm in the, the, you know, remote, Sort of really countryside, rural. no broadband. You don't. You're not. You've not got TV. <laughs> you can only listen on the radio. But you know, maybe you have. You yeah, know, and yeah, then you wouldn't yeah. see. Wouldn't see the kits. So wouldn't, <laughs> so it still works. And you've been there for. But four if you're an years. alien, if you're an alien, and you you pop you'd down to the annex, whatever. you wouldn't know what was going on. <laughs> Incidentally, uh, Charlie, do you know who holds the overseas broadcasting rights to the Premier League in New Zealand? I don't know. It's a Sky Sport. Oh right. Whose logo is um, blue and red. <laughs> And they are owned by a company called Sky. And none of those things have any relation to the actual company Sky in the UK. Something is wrong there. Can't do that's that. Like, that's like when you see... Yeah, it's like when you see a chicken shop with, you know, Kingston Fried Chicken or something. Yeah. With the same exactly. logo, the yeah. same font. It's exactly like that. Yeah. I don't know how they Nando, get away with The it. Nando's rip-off, Frango's. Yeah. Which just... Is exactly the same. Yeah, it's, it's so I mean, far away; they probably haven't noticed. Yeah, yeah. Won't find I, out I for another Merce, four years. <laughs> if if Merce is interested, I think I was told I see there are four countries in the world that don't broadcast live Premier League football. <laughs> New Zealand is not one of those countries. Oh yeah, it's North Korea. He could have said Turk, Turkmenistan. Yeah, he right. could have said. Yeah. Um, North Korea you know, would actually be good, wouldn't it? North, North Korea yeah, would be good because yeah. yeah. they would forcibly not let you watch Premier League football. Mm. So that's an even better one. Yeah. If aliens had landed in North Korea, that's two reasons why they would go to watch it. <laughs> This is great. Really good stuff. Thank you for alien who landed in North Korea and hadn't watched any football in alien world for four years. What would you think? <laughs> good. Fantastic. Right. William Giles writes in, Dave, says, During the Southampton Man City game, the commentator said Walker Peters had licence to play 10 to 15 yards further forward. How many licences are there and how do you get one? I think There's not too many. I think getting forward is generally the main licence, isn't it? Licence to licence get forward. Licence to get forward. And yeah. which players, which positions are eligible for a licence to get forward? Fullbacks. Only? Um, Centre mids. Centre mids yeah. have licence to get forward. Like He's got the licence. Because, because he, you know, he's, got, he, he's just going to sit. And that just gives him the licence to get forward. The licence to join in. Yeah. Join in with the attack. Um, I think um, the original licence, which is now not the dominant licence, Charlie, is the licence to roam. So like a, a number 10, it, you know, he'll start on the left, but he's got licence to roam. Licence to... What, what you also might hear on in a kind of match annual or a match of the day roundup from the 90s, if it coincided with a Bond film coming out that weekend, would be licence to thrill. Licence to thrill. About a particular player. Yeah, good. I, I'm pretty sure that's, that's all the licences you use. I mean, goalkeeper's got no licence, Dave. Licence to come off his line? <laughs> Definitely not. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, you're, you're joking, but there's absolutely no way that a manager would ever, you know, uh, make a thing about, about a goalkeeper being allowed to sort of come out of his area. So you've got licence to have a really good starting position if you want one. It, it, it seems like it's it's a decision for the goalkeeper alone, nothing that the, the manager would really kind of preside mm. over. So in terms of licences issued by managers, I think that's it. Fullbacks and roving midfielders and that's it. Strikers yeah. don't get licences. No. And I think even if a centre back went up or whatever, it's not a license. It's, it's, a, no. it's very much a very it's much. Um, That's what's yeah. so exciting. Exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. you might get the you might get the thumbs up to go like the go ahead from the manager, but but licenses are a medium to long term thing. They're not exactly. issued in exactly. the moment. Yeah. It's not a one off license. <laughs> it's a tourist visa. Yeah. An emergency <laughs> license to go up and join the <laughs> no, attack. Definitely not. But thanks for the question, William Giles. Excellent stuff. Jack Fallon has two questions for us. 
Um, number one, Dave, which Premier League goalkeeper looked most like an outfield player who's been asked to go in goal because the usual keeper isn't around? I think, he says, it's Aaron Ramsdale. Right. I saw this was on the running order earlier mm. and um, I decided to look at all 40 mm of the Premier League number one oh, wow. to number two goalkeepers. Yeah. Quite handy on the Premier League website. I've got a photo of everyone. Um, okay. So I narrowed it down to my top five. I, I actually don't know if I'd include Ramsdale, but I have because he was suggested, I've, he's in the fi- he's oh, in the okay. top five. Let's, I mean, let's start with Aaron Ramsdale. Do you think that's a good... A good shout? I do, because I think he's sort of unkempt enough. There's a, there's a slightly frantic nature about him. And he doesn't, he, he doesn't, he's not particularly tall, which helps. I think he's sort of slightly rough around the edges. He's a very good goalkeeper. That's irrelevant. Um, so that's why I think he counts. But the next question really is, where would he play if mm. he was an outfield yeah. player? And I think he's a perfectly feasible looking outfield player. Sort of defensive midfielder, scrappy plays for Bournemouth. I think, well, we, we will return to Bournemouth as we go through this. Good. <laughs> More on that later too. Yeah. He's quite goalkeeper. I think he just looks like a keeper. Um, I would say my, my analysis perhaps slightly falls down in so much that I'm looking at the official sort of team profile mugshots, whereas it's different. Looking at the, the live 360 footage of someone moving yeah, has, sure. it informs you slightly differently. Yeah. But uh, moving on to a few of my other ones. So Robin Olsen of Aston Villa. Looks like he could be a oh, big, yeah. a big sort of centre half. Could have played yeah. for Burnley. Yeah. Also, he's rubbish as well, which doesn't, yeah. which doesn't lend, which does lend it to this scenario quite well. But yeah, if United had signed him instead of Valt Veghorst, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really have questioned it. Yeah. But like, yeah, he look because he, he could be a big centre back, or he looks like a big target man. Yeah, Robin Olsen. Yeah. I also had Hugo Lloris actually. Because I think Hugo Lloris looks very, he looks very fullbacky. I can imagine him being a French fullback. Yeah, but but bit, but, but a little bit taller than the average fullback. So 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 could then go in goal <laughs> if asked. You don't get Take too many pieces. In goal. Well, like Kyle Walker's done it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, to some effect as well. My number one was Mark Travers of Bournemouth. Oh, who looks, looks like Callum Chambers' younger brother? He looks every mm. inch the Bournemouth centre back actually. Yeah, he does. Well, and the name, the name. Mark, Mark Travers at centre back today, alongside Travers Bolt, yeah. <laughs> as he wins, as he wins his fourth header of the game. And yeah. things have gone from bad to worse for Bolt. It looks like Mark Travers will have to go between <laughs> the sticks for the last seven or eight minutes of this game. And well, yeah, um, Travers, it is. There we go. Yeah, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Great work from Dave because uh, I trawled through a list of goalkeepers very briefly and didn't have a clue what I was looking at. So Jack Fallon. I hope you're satisfied. Number two, Charlie says, surely all professional football players are lying when they say, as soon as I hit it, I knew it was in. I understand when you see the flight of the ball, you may know it's goal bound, but to be that confident at the point of connection is surely bollocks. Not true. I disagree with this. Mm. I don't want to speak on behalf of professional footballers, but when you hit a good shot, you know you've hit it. And then the fact that it's gone in subsequently just simply seals the deal. You know when you've struck it well. I completely agree. And and actually, That's not what they're saying though, is it? Because you're saying... As soon as I hit it, I knew it was in. Yeah. It's different to I knew I hit it well. No, but you, but, it's, but I think they go hand in hand. Well. You know you've belted, you just know you've caught it well. And that, that as a result of that, there's a higher chance that it's going in because it's what you intended to do. Right, do you think Thomas Party thought that was in yesterday when he hit the post for that amazing shot? I'm not sure with that one necessarily. But I, def- I definitely have had ones where you just know. You do know because you've caught it so well and you can... You sort of have a sense of where the keeper is, just like that's going in. I think it's more, you know, you see those ones where you're you're wheeling away already, yeah, and it doesn't go in. They're great. That can, admittedly, that can happen, but 
I think yeah. What I, do you I, I do in that situation, possible. Charlie? Do you do you get set, ready to go? You. I can still think of one where I hit one from range, which I didn't do very often, and it hit the bar, and I fully thought it was in. I and I had gone. I'd started my celebration, and then had to sort of head on hands, oh. retrace my steps. Oh God! I genuinely it. don't know. Like with Partey <laughs> yesterday, a sign of like how weak I am mentally. How do you get over that? That would just be so gutting to hit it that well and hit the like. I remember that game hit the bar. I was like, "Well, what's the point? Could have had a sc- should have had a screamer hit the bar." Yeah, no, I completely agree. So unfortunate. I, I genuinely, I, I mean, I, and I've not even come that close in Sunday League. But there was one. There is only one shot where I remember. I, I was sort of almost kind of. It would be like a shit Van Basten style volley. It was like from that <laughs> angle, from a throw in over my shoulder, and it hit the post. Just a shit Van Basten. That's a good example, yeah. though, of when you hit it well, you know, you know, you have. But in idle moments, just randomly, sometimes I, it just, I'll just think about it. I yeah. just think, oh, why couldn't it have gone in? It's like six years ago. Further I'll yeah. never get over it. Further point. It's so that. cruel, isn't it? All looping volleys. I'm telling you right now. All looping volleys at any level of football. If you think you've caught a looping volley well, it's going in. It it, it just is. That's physics. It's it, it's just one of those kind of magical moments of football physics. If you catch a looping volley as you expected to, plum on the laces or whatever, it's going in. It's just that's just how the balls loop. That's it. It's going in. They never miss. I'm telling you right now. Except for in Dave's case. Yeah. Except that. Exactly true. <laughs> Enough of that though, because it's time. For Keys and Grey Corner. Ford Super Sunday. Now, we didn't have Keys and Grey Corner last week because we didn't have enough material. There just wasn't any there. Boy, are we bouncing back this week. Here, first of all, is Richard Keyes on that offside? Unless somebody comes up with the law, new law in the game that we don't know about. Yeah. Because that's offside. <laughs> <laughs> it's offside, offside, yeah. offside, offside, offside. Right. But, but the majority, <laughs> I think, the majority of opinion is with us. But it was mixed yesterday, wasn't it? We thought it would be mixed. We thought there would be some that would say it. Uh, and, and I know that I think the PGMOL or some of them trotted out or broadcasters trotted out the, the old referees who are there to work for them and the old referees were all saying it's a goal there was nothing wrong Andy, with it it's pointless it's pointless listening to those guys I know. because they are but just what they did. purely and simply patsies they are mm-hmm. they are told what to say yeah. and they are sent out to that's say that's what I'm saying but that's what they support did support decisions that they are made that, protect, protect, that decision yeah. was wrong was wrong and ridiculous mm-hmm. yeah, it's and protect, there is no defence no it, yeah. no. and I mean, it changes dramatically the course of the title race Mm. City probably go on to win that. They were the better team. I agree. Yeah, I agree. yeah. That, that's probably a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. Nonsense. But we don't know. But we don't know. But what we do know is that that goal shouldn't have stood. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a, it's another gear for Keys, isn't it, Charlie? When he starts digging out other broadcasters, that's good. Mm. Yeah. Talking about license. I mean, he's just got the license to roam wherever he wants mm. and say whatever he wants. He's not constrained by relationships the broadcaster might have. Um, it was quite a divisive issue, Dave. I mean, I would estimate that probably about 60% of neutral observers probably thought that shouldn't have been given offside in in the sense that the law is wrong rather than the decision. Um, but in Keyes' world, that means that opinion was with them, <laughs> that everyone just agrees with them. That's it. They've, they've set the agenda. Everyone else is just following along. I would even I don't even want to call it arrogance. It's just it, that's that's his default setting. How many times did he say it was offside? Five times. Five. I, I mean, what a weird thing to repeat as well. But yeah, that's Keezy. 
throwing all the referees under the bus as well. Mm. Just yeah. all of them. Didn't even name just oh, just any Rex referee. He's a patsy. <laughs> and he had some warm words for Keith Hackett. Um, yes, I really enjoyed um, that. When Keith Hackett is saying this, yeah. you know it's serious. Uh, simply because he wrote something Superb. that he agreed with. And simple as that. <laughs> right. Next up, here's Richard Keyes on a very, very Richard Keyesy name footballer, Vout Veghorst. Vout Veghorst. The pressing monster. Is that, is that what he's tagged as? Well, uh, in, in one or two memes that were floating around here oh, right. yesterday, yes. <laughs> uh, ironic memes. It's really? Vout Veghorst. What if he comes in and in 12 games gets six or seven goals? Yeah, well, I'll guarantee you right now that's not going to happen. <laughs> 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 Such a good delivery amazing. of that line at the end. It couldn't yeah. be better. I guarantee you the derision. Right <laughs> also, the, I mean, I was just saying this the other day that you know Eric Ten Months and what a great job he's doing, mm. but no backing down from Keezy on just you know absolutely saying with utter certainty it was going to happen at United. Well, this is it. The, the utter certainty of it is it's just what, what's so great. He's just so addicted to being certain about things. It's like, do you really need to be so... About Valt Veghorst? Do you need to have that much conviction about Valt Veghorst, you know, pre-seeing him in a Manchester United shirt? What's the point? He played for Burnley. <laughs> Burnley. Burnley. Andy. Burnley. Burnley. And finally, here's Richard Keyes on Todd Bowley, Michaela Mudrick. An amortisation. If he wants to leave in three years, he's leaving. Whether he's getting half years on a, a deal or not, he's off. Unless there's a buyout clause, it's ridiculous. Just well, it will be. Got to be in there. We've been days. doing it wrong all these years. We just needed Todd Bowley to come over and explain to us. 100, 100, 100 million. The British Englanders have got it wrong. So just under 100 million, about 90 million, 85 million sterling, I think. 85 million <laughs> on an eight and a half year, year deal. deal. Just, just wonderful wow. to hear Andy Gray and Jason McAdee just carrying on about their business while he yeah. just slips in a bit of, oh, coming over here telling us what to do. No one paying any attention now. This is it. It's just like, just there are two shows going on there. It's fantastic. Sterling as well was super. Andy Gray, I love that. No one says pound sterling now in normal conversation. Great stuff and being their social media team back with a vengeance Mm. this weekend. Fantastic stuff on the adjudication panel. Thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Yeah, I'll see you. I'm going away for a bit, so I'll see you in a few weeks. Facing a spell on the sidelines. Mysterious. Um, Mm. Yeah. Recharging. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks to you, David Walker. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back on Thursday with Mesut Harland Dicks. See ya. The Athletic.